Podcast. Dude, how do we start the podcast? I forgot. It's been so long. I forgot how, how we start the podcast. I think we just started the podcast. So <laughs> it is the fan of the podcast. I'm Vanessa Van Alstein. I'm John Bailey. Though I guess it is kind of redundant that we say that, and it's like, oh, well, we just had a bumper where Jim sounds all spooky. And I want to say thanks again to Brother Works for the awesome music. Um, and it's Works with an E, kind of like the band Kraftwerk. If you're ever looking for some, like, you know, music for hire, he's a nice guy out of, like, uh, I think it was Norway. You know, the really frozen north? Yep. All yep. the way up there. That's like, yeah, that's, that's, you can't get a whole lot more north and not just be living on an iceberg. Um, so this is my first panel pan of the podcast living in Vegas, I think. So that's, that's exciting too. Hooray. Yeah. We have to coordinate across like three hours time difference. It's uh, creative and entertaining. Though I have to say I'm in love. This is a freak city. It is a freak city. It, like the people here are just like goofy and weird. And it's like, I think the like bone bleaching sun and heat, like it just kind of thins out the like normal weak people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just I'm leaves the, the like hardened weirdos behind. Yeah, I'm guessing the same thing with uh, you know, Arizona and Florida. Yeah, it's, that was plain Austin for the most part. I uh, Austin's not as hot as here, and Arizona is. I think Arizona is actually a little worse. And it depends on what part, like the mountains aren't as bad as like the high desert. Uh, Florida is just humid. Humid and all kinds of crazy. And yeah, I, okay, so here's a good question. Would the Phantom of the Opera be Florida Man? Florida Man with no nose abducts opera singer from Rich Boyfriend. Uh, add, add some kind of, uh, narcotic, like bath salts or, you know, one of those, uh, synthetic marijuana strains and you've probably got a thing going there. Opium addicted Florida man abducts opera singer after pretending to be angel news 11. Wearing nothing but half a mask. Yes. Cause he would have to be naked. <laughs> Otherwise it's not a Florida man story. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. You at least can't have a shirt on. I feel like. And I feel like you have to have saggy man titties. Nothing wrong with those, but I feel like to live in Florida, you have to have some kind of titty. Exactly. It's like, it just never worked out. Yeah. Or he used to work out and then stopped and got real hangy. He got old man Arnold boobs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard thing being a former bodybuilder. I'm sure you have like, I feel like you have the like, um, you know, the Harry Houdini thing where people want to punch you in the stomach to see if you're still like tough. Exactly. Yeah. I can only imagine what old man Dwayne Johnson's going to look like if he ever stops juicing and working out. I, I hope he doesn't juice. I, I would hope that everybody has learned that lesson. You know? I, I think he, I swear, that's, that's that was like an untold thing where like Jackman and the superhero guys will would take like a little bit of testosterone and a little bit, you know, just something to make it look bigger. And then they'd stop once the roll, once the shooting was done. Jackman does creatine. I know that he actually just is very clean eating and works out really hard. Okay, so maybe that was just people speculating. Anyway, I, I mean, I don't. I guess the only person who really knows is Hugh Jackman. But let's not get sued for libel, John. 
Yeah, we, we're just starting out. We don't need to get libel. You know, we don't need the, the Rock to tell to sue us for libel for making him, making people think he takes steroids. So the other great thing about living in Vegas is they get to overhear conversations like, "Oh yeah, we just went and saw the Phantom of the Opera on the Strip." Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of the musicals, but the production was like really good, really solid, really solid. <laughs> oh yeah, I just loved it. I love it when Eric sings that song. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, you know, those people—they're probably Florida people. They're not native Nevadians, but yeah, it's like, uh. That was the thing uh, I remember. Uh, the, I, I'm an avid Gabe Grimm's follower, and there's apparently a thing where. Aaron mispronounced it. Is it Nevada or Nevada? Have you come across that? Yet? Yes, I get, I get crap for the way I say it. And I'm like, I'm a hick from Texas. What do you want? What do you <laughs> want? I'm noticing my Texas accent more. Like, I didn't think I had much of one, but apparently I do. I just come across. I haven't come across it yet. I haven't come Maybe across it. Maybe it's when I'm relaxed that my, because I, there's podcast voice and it's not my normal voice. Right. You're not, you're not going, unless you're doing like putting it on, I can never hear it. Really? Thank you. I, you know, I have to fight with some words. Like there's a, uh, there's a thing that happens in the desert called a wash. And it's basically, it catches like rainfall from the mountains or like water wash from just in, like underground springs. that will perk up or like random stuff. It's a great way to die is to hang out in a wash. And uh, if you're from, like, most of the Southwest and have a really bad accent, it's a warsh. Yep. <laughs> and because uh, I remember, like, I, I've been driving my husband nuts every time we pass one. I'm like, you kids, don't you play down in that warsh. And he's just like, shut the fuck up. Go play in the warsh. And I'm like, yeah, so it's like, I, I, I just, I have these moments now where I'm like, I'm having, like, redneck flashbacks. So does that mean Goofy's from Texas because he, he says gorsh all the time? Maybe I don't. I don't know. Oh my god, a Mickey Mouse Phantom of the Opera crossover. I mean, I've seen Mickey Mouse with the like Phantom mask before, but like they've already done the Three Musketeers. Why not? Yeah, Mickey, like uh, Prince of the Pauper, Three Musketeers. They see, were doing the Tom like, and Jerry thing for a while. Tom and Jerry is doing Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. By the way, I should state this is the speculation podcast, so you're not getting a straight up review, but we're gonna have a lot of fun here. Yes, but one of those things I want to talk about is a Disney crossover. I want Donald Duck to be the Phantom of the Opera. I think that that's what needs to go down. Like that maybe should be Raoul and Minnie's Christine. Christine, and then uh, Daisy is Madame Jerry. <laughs> Daisy or Clara, Clara, uh, Clara, Clara the cow. Yeah, one of them is Madame Jerry. Maybe Daisy is Meg. And then you don't, uh, you never question why a cow is the mother to a. Uh, duck, or why they're yeah, no, that sounds great. characters who are the same age. Oh, um, Horace the horse, the horse, it, and Pete are the theater owners. There you go. There you go. And Goofy is uh, Philippe. The there you go. Yeah, he, and it's like, why does why are Mickey and Go why are why, Mickey and Goofy brothers now? And yeah, why, like, why is a dog and a mouse related? That's the other one. Pluto shows up because, and then Raul has a dog now because Pluto. We have to yeah, get Pluto in there. there you know, it's it's his loyal dog that was never in anything, or, or he should be uh, the loyal dog's the Persian. There you go. There you he go. just barks, and that's, yeah. that's his true adaptation. As most. Uh, 
Pluto with a fez. Here, hold on. I think I can do a Donald Duck. No, it sounds like it sounds like the static from the Thunder Zone. That was an audio abortion. Yes, it was. Uh, They tried to showcase the voice actor for Donald Duck doing it. It's like, hey, anybody could do it, and then he does it, and then the girl, like the teenage girl, it was for like uh, Disney four one one or whatever they were doing was tried to do it, and it sounded pretty much like that. Oh well, yeah, that was kind of incoherent. Aren't you? Aren't you? Yep. My there husband is a really good Kermit the Frog, and I feel like, not tangentially, okay. Bill Clinton. He does uh, a really good Bill Clinton. Sing for me, my angel of music. Oh, see, that's great. There you go. Oh, no, wait. Would God, Gonzo would be the Phantom. Kermit would be Raul. Miss Piggy would obviously be Christine. Or would she be Carlotta? Oh, I forgot that we could pull from Henson. We can technically pull from Marvel as well. There you go. Um, yeah, well, no, I think why not bring in Miss Piggy as Carlotta? I mean, I mean shit, that makes as much sense as I, anything else. Uh, well, heck, Universal's trying to make their own Marvel with their monster movies now after I saw The Mummy. It's a it's, yeah. it, it's Iron Man 2 quality. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. but before we get into that, uh, you wanted to talk about, you found a 2D animated teaser. Trailer that's, I want this to be like a thing, and I don't think it's actually a thing. It's posted by who posted this? It was something bear. Um, yeah, Bob, Be- Buddy the Bear. Buddy yes. the Bear. How did I? He also posts these like I didn't watch any of them, but these like kind of creepy looking butt bear videos. Yeah. Um, please check that out. Um, it it's a very well done trailer. It's animated very nicely, and it's like Gaston Larue telling the story of the Phantom of the Opera. And there's like obviously the Persian in there, but he looks like a sheik. Hi, um. Yeah, hi, Maple. Or is that your cat? I have no cat. Now I'm wondering what she's wizard stuck in. Okay. Um, okay, so apparently this studio out of Melbourne does a bunch of stuff on Kickstarter. They they had one where it's Star Wars playing cards. <laughs> they also did Phantom of the Opera playing cards, which if I'd have known about that, I'd have like sold my soul to get i think there's i think they also do yeah they had a stage two kickstarter it looks like for the script that queen of hearts looks like daenerys so they probably do a game of thrones one as well but i'm not seeing a lot out of these people but then they but then they're getting press from like uh animation uh blogs like uh animation world news uh, yeah and i I went to their webpage. They're Serbian. They're Serbian. Uh, which is, that like both is cool and sets off alarms. They're Serbian, but they're based out of Melbourne. It, that, that feels very. Iffy. I know. It's it's like, is, are you going to, what are you like? Also like hackers on the side? I don't know. That would be exactly. cool though. That Animators like... slash hackers. They're, they're like a Robin Hood story with hacking. Yeah, um, that, that screams like scam alert. Where it's yeah. like, hey, we're a Melbourne-based, we're an Australian animation company, but we only speak in Serbian. Dude, when I lived in Dallas, there was this place called Cafe Pizza Sarajevo. Uh, it was like ethnic cleansing in your mouth. 
Yeah. Yeah, I doubt the pizza in Sarajevo is that great. Cafe Pizza Sarajevo. It's like, uh, why would it? What, oh, what is up with that name? But I went to the Ilzuha. Illusia. It looks Illusia like. Animation Studio. And it's a school that did a lot of outreach to children, apparently, to teach them how to do uh, computer based cell animation. And uh, this showreel came out of it, and they've like kind of quit doing the school outreach to try to be professional. To try to like yeah, do this like Phantom of the Opera version, which looks awesome. It looks like it's very book based. Um, the voice acting was a little rough, but you would hope that that's just because it's in the demo phase. Exactly. Like as soon as they get professional backing, they could have gotten like any number of actors. Uh, but all their social talent is dead. Like that's, it's not there. And so I think the Kickstarter, like I have this up, sorry, you can all hear me clicking. I'm sure. I've also got um, something called kick track T R A Q, which I think is an Australian kick track.com. Uh, no word on, or I guess it's like a Kickstarter tracker. Like it's a Kickstarter uh, like aggregator, like, hey, oh. here's a bunch of stuff on Kickstarter. That would be cool to follow these guys and see if they come through with it. Uh, I mean, it would. by creator is what they're saying, though. Canceled by creator. Two oh, percent no. of their goal was ever uh, was ever made, and doesn't say when they canceled it. Last update, April twenty first. I'm guessing of this year. Oh, that sucks. Thirty five days. I... Uh, and they couldn't get their backing. That was this past year, it looks like, unless this website is from a from a while ago. You know what, guys? If you run across this podcast and you want to start promoting this again, I think we'd both be happy to, like, you know, I, put it I, out I, there. Because this looks like a really quality animation, and I know it's hard oh, to do indie projects like yeah. this. Because you're, like, whoever's the main animator here is basically going to have to find a way to spend probably like one or two years paying well, their bills and feeding themselves and not I mean, I mean just imagine thief and the cobbler that guy who spent 40 30 years from 1960 for the 60s up until the 90s i think trying to get his animation done by himself and it, and it finally got taken away from him by miramax and just thrown out there uh, all slapdash, and he never got to finish the what his vision of the project. Uh, so I would well, suck for the, this to go the way of something like that. Yeah, I know it's it's a really like I want all of you to go and uh, check out the well the trailer. The, uh, if you type in Phantom of the Opera animated trailer, it's one of the first hits. Um, it we could always include it's like it, a very but... promising and true adaptation. Which if you haven't noticed and our coverage thus far, true adaptations for this film are few and far between. <laughs> I mean, it makes like Frankenstein and Dracula look like they've always been immaculately translated over. Seriously. We're going to, I'm going to have those to look forward to on my end. And you know, like one of my favorite animators is Bill Plimpton. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he did Sounds some familiar. 90s Taco Bell and I think Windows ads. He's very surrealist and very weird. He made a movie called I Married a Strange Person, which is, once again, bizarre, but I love it. I think everybody Oh, I do know this guy. He did a... He did a Weird Al video. Weird Al is... is um. He would be right up Will, Weird Al's 
Um, exactly. Um, yeah. Basically, Weird Al, for the last couple of albums, has mostly done animated uh, music videos, and Plimpton did the one for Don't Download This Song. And it goes I'm sure it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it goes into, like, white heat territory where the kid's on top of the water tower, and then everybody, like, crocodiles and sharks and the cops are all dancing and, and, and like, a uh, – not the – what is it? The, the Toulouse-La Trek kind of uh, – that kind of dance line by the end, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's beautiful. And I think he – No, he, he, he is beautiful, and he still does hand-drawn cell animation, which yeah, is – very. Oh, that is that's did, pretty much a dead art. What was this Christmas one? He did one that had like was it was it was that him? Who did I, don't, I don't I I don't I don't know his most recent work as well. I, I'm not even gonna lie to you, but I feel like you know Bill Plimpton. It takes him sometimes like a decade to come out with a film because he number one it's hand animated. Number two it's so expensive to do. Um, so it's like you know I feel like. Hey, people that were working on the like Phantom of the Opera adaptation that's 2D, look at Bill, see how he got money, you know, and like don't don't lose heart. You can you can get this done. I mean, it, it sounds like you had an animation studio together, so you kind of already knew that, but <sighs> and check out Bill Plimpton if you want a really cool. Apparently he worked on Cartoon Sushi, which was a thing in the 90s. Yeah, sex segment sex and violence. Uh it's lovely. I swear. Twelve tiny Christmas tales is another Plimpton. That's that that's the one. That, that somehow got aired on Cartoon Network, and it's got the darkest kind of humor, at where it's like vi- all violent and like their cousins, and then the one girl cousin holds the mistletoe over her boy cousin and just reels in and just gobbles his face with a kiss it's it's disturbing yeah i married a strange person a man gets uh psychic powers through a lobe that's implanted in his brain due to rays bouncing off of a misaligned satellite dish (laughs) and uh he can do what whatever he thinks comes true and there's the scene where he's having sex with his wife and he starts making balloon animals out of her tits it's dark (laughs) but hilarious apparently he also did a Kanye west music video so the guy gets work Yeah, no, and it's, he's a solid artist. It's just, like I said, that's not, his stuff is so weird and it's, you know, it's hard to get funds to do something that's, I hate to see it a tad archaic. It's, he mostly does shorts. Apparently he was featured in ABCs of Death 2. So. I'm not surprised. So (laughs) that's, that's a good get for him. That's a mate. That's a uh, film using his animation, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Illusia uh, Animation Studios. If you're out there, if you get a wind of this podcast, you know your Kickstarter may have failed, but there is, you know, once, you yeah, know, no, contact you, us. We'd love to help promote you. We'd love to interview you. We'd love to talk about, you know, your plans for what would you want to do if you continue want to continue making yeah. the movie. Or like even where it went wrong, sometimes that's more interesting than it going right. Even though exactly. I want this, I want I want the true adaptation. An actual, want... uh, yeah, mm. direct adaptation for once. God, yeah, and it's you could kind of do it like, uh, you know, kind of film noir, like but still set in the Victorian era, kind of like detective story, and it would work. I think that's why detectives keep popping up in the. Film versions, because, like, it does kind of work. The, like, you know, one man going after 
what they know is not a legend but you know it's it's never presented the way larue did where it's like well this is after the fact long after the fact and i found everything out right um so yeah that's that was the that's what we could find out about this really well done uh 2d animated phantom uh do we want to go into universal and then yeah, the most exciting and you lead us through it because i think you understand what's going on better than i do okay basically Universal wants that Marvel money, so they're trying to follow in their footsteps with a shared universe, which they already kind of did in the 40s and 50s with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and those kind of crossovers. But now they want to do it like over with like every single one Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Phantom of the Opera, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like it's essentially trying to be a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of crossover, because they're going to do Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. I think they've, they've, they're have they talking about Angelina Jolie as the Bride of Frankenstein, which is going to be the next one. She's pretty enough to get away with it. but And she's also got the bone structure for it. like Yeah, there's like really high cheekbones. So I could see that working, especially if you do the makeup right. If they did Maleficent-style makeup for it and they did the hair right, then you could I could see that working for... Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to go into too much of the mummy because this isn't a you know universal monster movie talk. But basically, the mummy isn't getting good reviews, and it's mainly because it is so bent on universe building. It's like we got Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and he's the Nick Fury of this secret organization that hunts down monsters, and we've got superpowers, and um, our mummy is a sexy mummy who's in bandage bikini. So is this going to be like the mummy reboots that were kind of obscurely timed or are they going to put this in more modern times? It is It is in the present day because they are in Iraq having to avoid insurgents. So um, they don't outright say ISIS or Daesh, but they do have, they are in a part of Iraq outside of Mosul. And it says, oh, we're looking for Haram. And as someone who listens to a lot of, world news and no you know as kind of gleaned basic arabic phrases even i knew haram meant bad haram is literally forbidden things that are not good that's not oh, a name dear. of a city but yeah it's so convoluted and messy like they try to do this thing where the mummy was a cleopatra style princess who was about to get the throne until her father gave birth to a son and then she kills the whole family and they declare her a witch, makes a deal with Set, the god of death. And along the way, somehow Tom Cruise just gets superpowers. Well, that is accurate. Set was the evil god in that pantheon. Like he dismembers uh, Osiris and he's the god of the like underworld and darkness, which is kind of the cliche evil god in most pan pantheons for some reason. I guess yeah. because in the darkness you might be killed. Yeah, that's why Hades often gets depicted as a bad guy. Although it's in Greek pantheon, it's either Ares because of war or Hades because it's the closest thing to Satan they have. Well, and it, you have to realize there's a lot of crossover with Egypt. They're not that far apart. Also, like there were ISIS worshippers in Greece and Rome back in the day. Set also played by former Phantom of the Opera star Gerard Butler. I was gonna ask, like, how are they bringing him back? Because I feel like he's gonna end up he's... in this. And there he is. There he. Is. There you are, Gerard. You don't have to yeah. sing at least. You don't have to uh, sound like a dying toad man. No, they, don't they, make fun of Carlotta. You're the one that's a toad. 
Uh, they don't actually showcase Seth. He's always in the background, but it, it, everything seems so... Like, they showcase little bits and pieces of Easter eggs. Like, Jekyll has four... Uh, uh, creature of the Black Lagoon arms in formaldehyde and vampire skulls with the fangs and apparently Dwayne the Rock Johnson is slated to play the Wolfman. Yeah, and wasn't he previously the mummy? No, he was the Scorpion King. Okay, sorry. Either way. You know what bothers me though? Like, who's playing the mummy? Like, what's this female actress's uh, name? She is Sophia Boot. Ella, I want to say is how you pronounce her last name. Does she even look North African? Uh, Algerian French is uh, she is the closest I, to. I Middle guess Hollywood Eastern... thinks that's ethnic. That, that's that's the closest thing oh, to okay, Middle like, Eastern. <laughs> the Middle Easterners did not make mummies. That's Egyptian, and that is North Africa. And well, Set is North African. He should be. Well, that's the thing. It takes African. place in Egypt, and then because she is so evil and made a pact with Set, she is then moved by hand by cart over to Iraq. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, this becomes so convoluted, and it doesn't have to because you can explain it with antiquities theft. Because, like, one of the reasons Tutankhamun's tomb was so marvelous and such a big deal in the 20s is it was mostly intact, whereas, like, pretty much everything else in Egypt was not. And a lot of the mummies were dragged to other countries because they thought were thought to possess curative properties. It's like rhinos in China. Exactly. Like, you could easily have had it be instead of because what they do is it's underground in a contraption to keep her in. You know, keep her in place. Like there's uh, ballasts and you know a giant obelisk kind of weight. Oh, this sounds like that Exorcist film with the upside down cathedral. That it's it's kind of like that. But instead of doing that, all you had to do was like go into Mosul and have them try and sneak around the you know insurgents to to loot the museum there. Make sure they're yeah, or just have like. How the people like have taken her corpse out into the middle of nowhere to like dis- disperse the loot, and then like something evil happened, and no one found it until the soldiers came back. Right? I mean, I mean, they it's such an easy premise to do, and I mean that's kind of cliche, but this is all very cliche. Exactly. So this is making me scared about what they're going to do to the Phantom of the Opera. I figured when they See, mentioned my- all of those famous movie monsters that this was going to be uh, the horror version, which is fine. No, that's the that's the thing. If they had stuck to pure horror, that that would have differentiated them from the superhero shared universe stuff. That would have been interesting. They're going straight up superheroes because Jekyll, because Mister Hyde gets like super strength, and Tom Cruise oh is a literal superhero in this movie with superpowers. Well, it's, <laughs> okay, part of the problem with the Mummy, as I talk on our Phantom of the Opera podcast. Yep. Is well, that it, it was an, it, right now. It, the original tale is an old adventure tale. And adventure tales seemed viable because they became popular at a time in the last century when there were still frontiers that were largely unexplored and things like tattooed Maoris from New Zealand were shocking and new. Maori. So there was this yeah, idea Maori's that you could still find... 
it's you know, thing. secret hidden things from the old world. And it, that's what, like, Tutankhamun's tomb in the 20s, once again, like, hey, there might be these, like, mystical antiquity travel treasures in this land that's not easy to traverse. It came out at the tail end of the era of Tarzan and Alan Quartermain. Yeah, exactly. And and, those uh, kind of adventure. I mean... They also included horror elements because it is a zombie story. You've also got the inclusion of a mythical zombie. But now in order to up the ante, like the 90s one that took place in the 20s and they still had superpowered magical like sand properties. They do the same thing here. She has control over the dead. So there's zombies throughout this movie. And it's 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 an action adventure movie trying to incorporate horror elements with a lot of comedic elements too. Like there's there's even a guy. Comedy isn't the solution to poor plot. Seriously, they've also got a guy. Do you remember the uh, undead guy from uh, Pet Cemetery? Yeah, dead. Uh, it's I forget what did he say. It, what, it's better dead better, or better 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 off dead, Jim. Or whatever, something, I don't know. I forgot, it's been a while. I called him the ketchup man growing up because my brother and sister, uh, older brother and sister were watching it. I was like probably five or six at the time I came in on them. I'm like, what's what's with that man? Because he was all bloodied and messed up looking and they were like, that is the ketchup man. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) So there's that guy and the guy from uh, American Werewolf in London. Same kind of idea of a psychological like you're not sure if he's because they're the the main characters are the only ones that see them but they're like but they're like undead guys that act as like some kind of mentor or like some kind of guide to the after you know like telling the protagonist what to do yeah. they throw that into this movie for some reason oh <laughs> so, he's, so he's just schizophrenic and that's a movie over I, but like i feel like to address that like adventure thing that's not translating in a lot of these films or that Hollywood doesn't understand was an appeal in the original. You have to either make them kind of timeless or present a frontier that people still feel like isolated and threatened by, because we're not scared of the dark anymore. We don't think that we're going to be eaten by cannibals that have escaped Papua New Guinea. Cause that's just not, that's not it. That's not and, how that and works. You travel into Africa and see that there's no hidden devil tombs that are gonna, you know, unleash a plague on people. So it's 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 finding like a different balance. And I think they need to think more creatively. I think a film that did that well was um oh, it's the one where they're exploring a cave and it turns out there's like mutated evil the, people inside. The descent? The Descent. That I've heard nothing but good things about it. Still, that is one it. of the most legitimately frightening horror movies I have seen in the past like twenty years, and it it covers that sense of exploration and like isolation in a new and uncharted area just by spelunking, by putting your characters in a setting they cannot easily escape. Yeah, or and that is just completely foreign to them because. If you've ever been in a cave, that is a darkness that is primal and unescapable. Yeah, so at the same time, the DC Universe took until Wonder Woman to kick in to actually be good. Wonder Woman was amazing. Everybody should go see that, too. Uh, Yes, uh, we at the Phantom of the Podcast recommend you go see Wonder Woman. 
Wonder Woman and some Bill Clinton cartoons, and you'll there you go. Uh, but yeah, like Man of Steel, what I I've got all kinds of problems with. Same with Batman v Superman. Wonder Woman was the one that was like, hey, we can actually make good superhero movies at Warner Brothers. But no, holy shit, what the fuck, barbecue? Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's like I'm just worried these aren't going to be handled with like any subtlety or intelligence. Oh, it's like I feel like. I'm I'm scared that it's going to be like that Simpsons episode where Homer does the voice of the dog that's supposed to be the new itchy and scratchy <laughs> character, and he's too like radical and cool with his skateboard, and all the kids Poochie. hate him. And they make him rap. Poochie's one outrageous dude. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, so they, how what do you think is going to happen with the Phantom? It's it's not Gerard Butler. At least we can say that. It's like, not Gerard Butler trying to sing Andrew Lloyd Webber. So we've got that going for it. That's a plus. Yes. At the same time, do we tell the story in a modern setting like the Mummy did? Because it sounds like they're trying to modernize it. You know what I think would be a really smart way to do it is to make it mid-century, before cell phones, before leave the web out of it, put it in like the sixties or seventies when the world's kind of changing anyways. And you can still have people that are extremely like naive and innocent in a way that's true to the past. Yeah. Cause I, I don't think that naivete and innocence works the same way in a digital age, because in some ways our technology makes us more intelligent or Christine would have to come out of like a religious cult, and I think that that's just yeah. making a like way too different movie. Exactly. Or, but once again, like I, with if, with if this is how they want to tell the mummy story, how like what? Because that's the thing. I haven't watched a lot of Creature of the Black Lagoon, but I love that concept. I love the idea of this fish man living in the swamps out in the middle of nowhere. Like like especially with places like the Everglades, I could see something like that happening where there's so many parts of it that nobody ever goes to. And yeah, but are you talking about like for the swamp thing or the Phantom of the Opera? Well, yeah, for Creature, I'm worried that with, because I've wanted to see a new interpretation of Creature of the Black Lagoon for a while because we haven't had it. And I'm worried that if this is the direction they're going with if with their dark universe, i worried that when we get to the stuff that hasn't been done in a while, like Hunchback, like Phantom, like Creature from the Black Lagoon, it's just going to be some superhero wannabe story because they want the Marvel money. If this even does well at all. Well, you know, there's a really beautiful adaptation of the Creature of the Black Lagoon from uh, Alan Moore, but they tend to fuck his films up. Oh, yeah. I love something. I love and that's the other thing. thing, like, if it comes from, like, the rural South, I do not want another film that makes everybody from the South look like dirt-eating racists. We have so, enough of that. That is not all of us. Oh, yeah. They, stupid. If you think that the only problem with America is South the Mason-Dixon line, you're not paying attention. Exactly. I mean, heck, look at Philadelphia and Chicago. Those places are... <laughs> Uh, Chicago is a great place to get shot. Love you, Chicago. No, but I'm like there. There is um, what's the ter- what's the term for it? Uh, uh, segregated as any city in the South. In fact, most cities in the South have already integrated. It's the North that's never truly. Yeah, integrated. And it's, and it, they, it's like some people want to be very liberal, but as long as the person of color doesn't live next to them. Seriously. <laughs> um, uh, whereas, like you know, in 
Dallas and Houston, Texas, I frequently, you know, ate out with people of all different like sexualities, genders, and colors. So, right. Um, is colors the right thing to say? Am I going to get punched for that? Eh, whatever. I, I don't mean it bad. Forgive me, everyone. <laughs> it's okay. She's from oh. Texas. She don't. She I'm, don't I'm, I'm from, you know what? I'll read me the Bible and and I'll read me a song book and I'm real good. I'm I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go out and make some friends. Make some friends. <laughs> There's the Texas. I'm bring him Jesus. Come bring him Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um, as as the universe. We're one by the way, way in and the. You want to know one of the things? Speaking of weird religious people. I'm not going to say their name, but I have met the most unique person ever. It is an escapee from a family of carny Mennonites. Well then. Carny Mennonites. Apparently a lot of Mennonites are involved in carnivals. They like build the stuff and run and maintain them. I did not know this. Uh, it's news to me too. I mean, I, the, I'm I, shocked. I, I get a couple of Mennonites coming over, you know, when the rural parts of where I live, like they'll sometimes come to the city area from time to time. And especially if you go further out uh, towards Pennsylvania, you'll start to see more of them. But well then, yeah, I see that coming. Yeah, I just, I love Vegas. It's, it just, like I said, it brings in the weirdest people on earth. Um, so Phantom of the Opera, I want it to be William Defoe. Uh, so far, the names they're tossing around are—they're tossing around names like we're supposed to give a shit. Like we want Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence and Angela Jolie, Angelina Jolie. Javier Bardem's gonna be our Frankenstein's monster. You guys, please support us. We have no idea what we're doing. Who would Michael Fassbender be? That's the thing—they're tossing a name out like it, like bait to get people to be interested in them, but. He hasn't signed any contracts. They haven't made any deals. There aren't any scripts. It's all in the ether. They're just throwing out chum, hoping people will, you know, start to swarm at it and give them attention. Yeah. I still want William Dafoe. Who, who would you want to play the Phantom of the Opera in a film? I can see William Dafoe. He's, he was, he's in the trailer for um, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, where he plays the professor in that. Uh, I mean, William Defoe is your go-to for horrible um, creature characters. Exactly. Like, have you ever seen Shadow of the Vampire? I've heard good things about it. I, really it, I know it's about the thinking of uh, Nosferatu, and yeah, he, it's it uh, is the actor from who played the vampire Nosferatu was anonymous. So this is speculation. What if it was was actually a vampire? Exactly. It's a very speculative. It's historical speculative fiction. And William uh, Defoe is the vampire, and he's brilliant. There's this uh, like soliloquy he does when uh, uh, some of the people ask because uh, they think he's a method actor. What is the worst part of, about Dracula for him? Like, what's the scariest scene? And he says it's the one where the man sees Dracula setting his own, you know, place at the table and like setting up this banquet for this human who really should be his food. And, you know, he who once had infinite servants and he who once supped so grandly now sets his own meal. He who doesn't remember what food tastes like places it on a plate. And it's just, it's just fucking beautiful. Oh yeah. I could see him doing, uh, Eric, uh, if they wanted to go to the monster route, I'm guessing 
they want somebody that they can use for multiple films. That's why I can imagine a Fastbender. I don't think Fastbender would put on the hunch for Quasimodo. Um, I'm trying to think. Because you'd want somebody like late 30s going into their 40s, maybe early 50s if they look if they if they were able to, you know, do the physicality of it. Uh, I don't think who's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say cuz like you're asking an actor to be ugly. Yeah, seriously. You and you'd have to ask, you'd have to find an actor willing if you really wanted to go the horror route willing to put on the kind of makeup that made Lon Chaney so uh, memorable. Exactly, yeah. like iconic. What about that kid that plays Kylo Ren? Like he's kind of I don't know, there'd be a lot of nose to CGI off. No offense, kid. Um, um, I forget what Adam, his name is. Yeah, Adam Driver. Uh, he's kind. He's kind of odd looking. I could see that. Ooh, 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 what? I got it. I got it. Um, he was. I just saw him in. I just came from. It comes at night. Joel Edgerton. I'm gonna have to look him up. Uh, Joel Edgerton. Uh, he 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 can ugly himself up. He's probably best known as. Uh, he would played young Owen Lars in the in the um, uh, Australian. Um, Zero Dark Thirty. He was uh, Tom in The Great Gatsby, the 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 husband. He was uh, in The Secret Life of Us as well. Exactly. He's been, he's been working steadily. Uh, yeah. Um. I mean, all you have to do, like, I feel like he'd be willing to put on the kind of makeup required to make. Uh, Eric look ugly because I mean he was willing to pull you know, put you know, make himself look like uh, Yul Brenner for that crappy um, Egypt gods and kings whatever that uh, I can um, see where you can make his cheekbones real shrunken too. Um, you also have to be able to nail the like subtlety of somebody who has is extremely world traveled in a time when that's not the case. Um, been an assassin but still wants like love and redemption and has gone a little crazy and i think that's the thing of, of all these actors like he's been in a bunch of blockbusters and b movies like he was in smoke and aces and kinky boots and uh so i mean he's he'll be he's he'll be in all kinds of stuff but at the same time i feel like he can do horror he, he just did a, a thriller that he wrote and directed and starred in with a Blumhouse called The Gift that I recommend that I highly recommend people check out. It's like, it's basically he plays a guy who's a little mentally unstable, but you're never quite sure if he's, you know, like evil or just you know well intentioned, but has no, but as doesn't exactly you know, good at interacting with people. And Jason Bateman plays his old high school bully who tries to be, you know make nice with him. He's also a company uh, a production of a streetcar named desire in sydney I, you know it's also like are, are is universal willing to make eric both ugly and kind of like pathetically ugly if that makes sense and not just exactly. like meat yeah. face or handsome meat face which is what i feel like the andrew lloyd weber oh yeah version has and i feel like the uh the 40s version did that too they kind of pulled back on going truly hideous. Yeah, it's just like, oh, look, I got some beef jerky on my face. No, oh, no, don't look at me. I've got third-degree burns. Yeah, no, I it's like, they never skin graft and for, look somewhat normal. Yeah, for, like, for a guy who was supposedly born ugly, especially in the Lloyd Webber version, 
he doesn't he is never portrayed that way. He's always portrayed as looking handsomely ugly. You know? Well, and if Elle were here, and she's told me this before, when you write a romance lead, which I feel like the musical is more of a romance. It's not as much a horror thing. Oh, yeah. But for a romance lead, you kind of have to have something redeemable, and you have to have something that's attractive, because most people don't want to read a romance story about the ugly kid next door that kept hitting on them, you know? Exactly. I feel like, because that's the other thing, too, they're going to have the same problem with Quasimodo that they are going to have with Eric. How do you make a sympathetic, ugly character that people care about? And the Hollywood has this problem of making pretty ugly. Like, even the Beauty and the Beast they just did, the Beast looks much more human and you know, pretty than the animated version where he looks like an animal. Are you saying you'd fuck him? I'm saying he's got, uh, like, in the face... You know, he's comb his hair and tell him he's nice looking? What's the thing? He looks more human in this version because they didn't want to put in the effort to animate an actual animal. Yeah, I feel like if you want to look at sympathetic, ugly, you have to look back to, like, Lynch's um, black and white version of The Elephant Man... Oh, yeah. Uh, and Mask from the 70s. I think Cher was in it. Uh, Cher was the mom. And, um, oh, shoot, who was the, the... The the girlfriend was somebody famous. I think Daryl Hannah? I think that makes sense. It's been a really long time since I've seen it. I um, pull it up real quick. But, yeah. It, yeah. Um, which is, both of those are apparently based on... not. Uh, it's hard to say how true to the... His, you know, actual Laura Dern, that's who it was. Well, that's one of the, I was talking to a friend about this earlier, too. That's been one of the problems with vampire movies recently, too, is we've made them so fuckable. We've lost a lot of the, like, unholy what? terror that is a vampire. Because that's the thing. Like, was it Long Shaney? No, Bella Lugosi was Dracula. It, it was Bella Lugosi. Yeah, Bella Lugosi was, dra- was the original Dracula. And he... Undead, undead, undead. Uh, do we want to wait until the cops pass by? Or just keep oh, going? It's, it, no, we'll just keep going. It's, I live right off of Boulder Highway. What do you want? What do you All want? right. Uh, at least it's not me this time. Because <laughs> yeah. every so often the Akron PD will come you know, going by because I'm like right next to a couple of main roads. Yeah, anyway, I think there's uh, a station near here. But it anyway, is, and uh, they're... Half the time they're going to a casino station might be ironic in the naming of said casinos. Uh, what was I saying though? Um, I forgot. I completely forgot my train of thought. Oh, um, <laughs> Bella Lugosi. Yes. Bella Lugosi wasn't hot, but he had like an air of sophistication to him. He looked, yeah, he had charisma. He he looked like old world kind of royalty, which is the point. He's a count. I think I'm laughing again because I've I've suggested William Defoe as no, it was Gary Oldman that was Dracula in the in the in the in the, in the, in the Bram Stoker's Francis Ford yeah. Coppola version where he cried blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Gary Oldman, he's one of those people like he's not attractive, but he is, and I can't tell you why. He puts everything into every performance. Yeah, from, and it's, I think it's like Lugosi. There's that, like, he's so charismatic, it kind of gets over the oddities of how he looks. Yeah, because, I mean, you'll get, like, weird, off-putting performances, like Leon the Professional that everybody quotes. Everyone quotes it. Yeah. Um, but then you'll get, like, this so, element, Gary Oldman. But then you'll get, like, really subdued and subtle... Um, 
Jim Gordon, uh, Gary Oldman from the Dark Knight trilogy. You know what's really unfortunate about Gary Oldman? He's too old to play Eric? After all of these years and all of this money, he still can't afford a chin. <laughs> oh, the chin would probably ruin his acting. I know, right? He's, that uh, would be the thing that like just makes him ridiculous. Would Steve uh, Buscemi so, be too ugly for Eric? Say that again? Would Steve Buscemi be too ugly and on the nose for Eric? I think he's too short. Yeah, I guess he's pretty short. I think he'd make a good hunchback of Notre Dame, though. That would be per. I mean, I, I, yeah. he got the. I mean, as much as no, like, yeah, you don't, don't want to do anything to his eyes. I mean, yeah, I know you don't want to stun cast him as the ugly guy because I mean he he's played so many great. He's characters, an amazing actor. Like he doesn't have to prove that, and he's an amazing human being. Like I've I've been picturing a live action Snow White remake from Disney because why haven't they done that yet? They have. Oh, was Mirror Mirror Disney? And there was that, what was that thing with uh, uh, the redheaded woman that was in the Hooker movie? Julia Roberts? Yeah, Mirror Mirror. Was that Disney? I don't know. Because my, what I'm, my point is, if they ever did that, um, that is Tarson Singh Studio, just Relativity Media, so it doesn't look like... All right, never mind. So yeah, let, me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What... I don't feel like if they're not going to give Christine any, any agency, I don't feel like who they cast her with matters. You have a debate of blonde Christine versus brunette Christine. I I was on team blonde Christine. I couldn't care. As long as she's written well, I don't care how, what she looks like. You know, and it's my problem was when they try to give characters like that agency, they tend to just make her sassy and exactly women can have agency and they can even be like, you know, religious or innocent or whatever and not be fucking sassy. Exactly. Like I feel like as long as, as long as she's the one who uncovers the truth about Eric and makes her own decisions about what she does with that information instead of Raul being the one to tell her, no, here's what's really going on and her having to come to terms with that, that's more important. Or if you could see her struggle with the fact that, you know, she's kind of just taking orders from one side or the other. Exactly. Like, like, the just, you know, Christine, like, make, you yeah. know, she doesn't even have to end up with anybody, but as long as she's, you know, her own person, her own well, well-rounded. Yeah, forties Christine first. wasn't sassy, but she still had agency. She was still like innocent and sweet, and like just the kind of person like you'd want to talk to. You know. And it's over the course of the film that she developed her own agency. That that's more important than I feel like whatever they do with her. Because if they're just if she's just going to be the damsel in distress, going from one man to another, then who cares who you cast? You can cast any old actress. And what do you do with... I mean, I'm going to guess they're going to ignore Raul. For the most because, part. Because, like, what do you do and not have him just, like, hunting Eric or making sure Eric's behaving or becoming, like, a Van Helsing clone, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, he's... I could imagine he, him them trying to redo Van Helsing with, with Raul and that you know, speaking of just Helsing, like that anime, one of the things I love is how they address uh, Alucard's uh, fixation on the past. Like they just say, like you know, sh- you've lost your lands and she's dead, and 
he just has to come to terms with that and it's never really spoken of again. Like you can't do that and have it be interesting, but it has to be like a dramatic plot driven point. Exactly. Um, it would be neat though, if we're going to bring in some kind of Van Helsing, like intelligent character who's making sure Eric behaves and is kind of like investigating his doings. There's one built into the book and it is the Persian. Seriously, and once Let's again, asked an actual Middle Eastern man, and like said, have him be this person that's tied to Eric. I've said it before, Irfan Khan. He's the most prominent uh, Iranian actor working in Hollywood today. And yeah, there you I, go. I would accept. Uh, what's his name? Ben Kingsley. He's played you know all kinds of people across the Middle East. <laughs> what's the guy that played like Siad on a uh, Lost? Uh. I haven't watched Lost. Who are you talking about? He uh, he was on, I think, The English Patient. Aaron, list of characters. Somebody who's listening to this and going, oh my god, it's blah, 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 blah. Uh, he plays so Indian Saeed Jara Naveen Andrews. He, I could see him, yeah. He was in Rollerball. Uh, yeah, he's... Of I don't know where he's Indian from, descent. but he, he looks... Middle Eastern or Western he's Asian. He's Indian. Okay. So he, you know, he's, he plays he's, an Indian in the English patient, so I'm not shocked. I. Oh yeah, once it, but it'd be better than hiring another Hispanic actor like they always do. Like Coke DePaulo is, I think, Colombian, and she plays an, an Israeli operative on TV. And... It's like in those old like spaghetti westerns where the. Mexican Mex people are played Bro. by like, dark-haired Italians. Seriously. Oh, yeah. it's in the Mighty Joe Young remake. Saeed. Wait, there was a Creature of the Black Lagoon from 2012? How did you miss this, you loser? I I don't know. Apparently he was apparently the guy was also You know what that earns you? Hey John, do you know what that earns you? Uh -oh. 40 Jario Argento points. Yay! 40 Dario Argento points. <laughs> Weep in your bed tonight. Seriously. Um. So, yeah. yeah I, I, so let's do like, that. Let, let's be progressive, universal in your new ridiculous horror mashup. Let's let's bring let's let's bring in the Persian. Let's have this like you know intelligent detective from Persia not just like serving a Van Helsing character, but like leading the cause to keep these monsters in check. I think that would be entertaining. Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, I will watch that movie. That would be more interesting than just another generic white guy. <laughs> just another generic white. There's a podcast. The, uh, well, yeah, you do it alongside, um, God, like, Podcasts like Black, uh, Black Band Can Jump in Hollywood and various other uh, podcasts that showcase, you know, people of color and, you know, minority characters featured prominently in film. But, yeah, not another not another white guy. <laughs> not another white like guy. I, we're good. I feel like that's a lot of podcasts out there. All right. I feel like we're kind of coming to an end here. Sorry to do a podcast where we just talk about like what we would like to see with the Phantom of the Opera, but do you know what we would like to hear about the Phantom of the Opera? Who do you ship? What would you like to see? What characters do you think could be presented in a better way? And you know what? 
what kind of phantom story would you like to see? Would you like to see one that's set in the sixties where Christine hasn't emerged into the flower power movement, but is still like a nice sheltered schoolgirl that has a musical talent and is led by a professor that comes out of kind of like the old world. Do you want to see a phantom of the opera? That's like very modern and has like cell phones and recording equipment. And Eric's like some kind of evil, like cyber stalker. The possibilities are endless. Exactly. We, you just have to be more creative than the people working at Universal. Yeah, it's come on, Universal. You can do better. Also, apparently, uh, Naveen Andrews plays Jafar on Once Upon a Time. You know, this world's full of strange things. Yep. All right. This has been the Phantom of the Podcast. From sunny Las Vegas, I'm Vanessa Van Alstein. From mildly overcast Akron, Ohio, I'm John Bailey. And uh, you guys all like. You know what, don't, we should have like a cool call thing at the end that we say, like, don't, don't knock on the trap door. Don't keep your hand at the level of your eye. There you go. Keep your hand at the level of your thigh. Wait, that's, that's, nope. that's, that's, that's different. That's, yeah, yeah. don't do that. Don't do that unless you're with consenting adults. Yeah. If you're, or wearing a skirt. Um, all right, everybody, don't knock on the trap door. Bye.